Welcome to Decoding Digital Content Marketing. The IAB essay podcast that encourages and develops content marketing in South Africa as a unique, independent discipline and an effective tool for brands to communicate with their audiences. Well, welcome everyone. I am so excited uh, to welcome you all to the first episode of Decoding Digital Content Marketing. It's been a long road to get here and I'm thrilled that we're going to be unpacking today what the term digital content marketing means and what exactly content marketing does and doesn't constitute. There's a lot of, I think, misunderstanding and misrepresentation of content marketing in the industry and I'm really looking forward to hearing all your perspectives. I'm Emma Woodendahl. Uh, I'm the Digital Director of John Brown Media and was the co-founding member of the IAB Digital Content Marketing Committee and the task lead for this project in defining content marketing in South Africa. I'm really chuffed to have Natalie Poole um, on the panel today with us. She is the content design lead of VML YNR and was also on the task team who developed the, the content marketing definition. Got Impumium Gebesi, the co-MD of Joe Public, um, who gave us some invaluable expertise, advice, and guidance. Thank you, Impumi, as we put together that definition. And Rian Wilmerans, who is the head of digital at the media division at Arena Holdings. So welcome, thank you, and let's get started. Perhaps a good place to start is that content marketing globally accounts for 20% of all content marketing spend. As mentioned earlier, it's been underrepresented in the South African advertising industry, quite often misunderstood by agencies and brands. And one of the reasons that we unpacked as we went through the exercise of defining content marketing is it's probably because it's got this ubiquitous term content in the name. Not all content is created equally. Not all content constitutes content marketing. So Mpumi, if I can ask you perhaps to just chat us a little bit about what your experience is as an agency who encounters a lot of misconceptions around content marketing. Thank you, Emma. Firstly, I think a lot of marketers and agencies make the mistake of assuming that if you're just putting something on media, be it traditional media or social media, then it's content. Brand or clients assume that people love their brand so much that their brands are a priority in people's lives. And so they believe that shouting their brand through a one-way conversation will deliver brand love. Content for marketing is not content marketing. I remember back in the day before the rise of digital, we used to use advertorials as a way of content marketing. The idea was great, but this ended up being badly written, paid for content by brands, hitting amongst editorial in newspapers or magazines under the belief that consumers will resonate with it. It was tone deaf, inappropriately placed brand stories that ended up filling media space for the sake of it. Now, we've since moved on from that era to an era of wallpaper, shouty, price heavy, <laughs> heavily branded, functional, product-focused communication that does nothing for the brand, but is just spam to the consumer's eyes everywhere they look. Which then actually leads me to highlight the importance of having a clear distinction between branded content, native content, and content marketing. 
And there are fundamental differences between the three. The one is that there's a clear line between rented audiences and owned audiences. And there's also a clear line between content as a product and brand as a product. So let me actually start by briefly explaining branded content. Branded content is sponsored or paid content partnership between the brand and the media. So this is where the brand primarily reaches the audience of the media through their audience. So they rent their audience. And in the case of native content, it is paid for content. It's paid third party advertising formats. Um, and this is a content that matches the form, feel, function, and quality of the content of the media on which it appears. So, for example, a publisher's website. But then when it comes to content marketing, I would say that content marketing is a strategic marketing approach of creating and distributing relevant, consistent content targeted at a defined audience without using the brand or its product as the hero. I would also want to add that content marketing is audience and story led versus the traditional way of advertising being brand led. So Emma, in a nutshell, I would say that those are the misconceptions of content marketing, as well as differences between branded content, native content and content marketing. I loved the, the word that you used to describe sort of that generic content as being wallpaper. I think that we so often see that in the industry. And when we started looking at what true content marketing is at a minimum, one of the things that we found, no matter who we consulted, who we spoke to, everyone could agree that a key attribute of a successful content marketing program was that it needed to add value to audiences' lives. It couldn't be wallpaper. So, Natalie, if you could maybe speak a little bit about your experience of how content marketing can really add value to a consumer's life without being wallpaper. Awesome. Thanks, Emma. Morning, everybody. Yes, I think Impumi kind of touched on it. And it's really, it's a mental shift you have to make. In advertising, we're so used to saying, um, you know, what wonderful things can we say about the brand and our product to make people want it. But with content marketing, we really do want to put the audience member first and the brand second which can be quite a tough sell to a nervous client. And of course, there must be a space for relevance. We have to create content that is in line with what, you know, our brand stands for. We can't be, you know, a fast food brand creating financial expertise content or something like that. But in our definition, we really did say that creating real value means solving our audience's needs at specific points in their lives. And that's why digital is so fantastic and can help us do that, because we have all these amazing sources of, of data to inform our content and what our audiences are saying, what they're looking for, what their pain points are. So that is often a lot of research, which also can make a client nervous because you, you spend a lot of time trawling through you know, SEO data or social listening or web data to really understand who we are speaking to, what are their pain points, their challenges, their interests, their needs. And only then can we really come up with, you know, valuable content that we can speak credibly about. As an example, I've literally done a couple of, of content workshops quite recently, and we put ourselves in our audience members' shoes. We brainstorm, we write sticky notes in first person. 
what are all the questions and concerns our target audience might have? And then we actually add like a little sentiment or an emoji to that question to say, when they are asking this question, are they happy? Are they sad? Are they in a rush? So as an example, if you are a skincare brand and your audience member has said, I have an allergic reaction, now what? Their emotion is probably concern with a side of urgency. So they don't want to read a long white paper on allergic reactions because they're, they're quite concerned. So maybe, you know, a helpful FAQ or a very quick video tutorial with a solution is more helpful to them in that moment. So practically, I also think that creating real value comes from the content creators themselves. And that's why it's so nice to work with seasoned journalists and expertise and great storytellers who do this for a living. Um, it's not, you know, someone in a random department somewhere with time on their hands to create a white paper um, mm. and paying these people for their expertise. It's not, you know, it's a job and it should be taken seriously. And when you, when you do take it seriously and you give it the time it deserves, then I think that's when real value um, happens. And I love that sentiment of so thinking like a journalist and asking yourself, what is the story? Why does it matter? Why does it matter to my audience and their curiosities, their passions, their lives? And how to use that journalistic thinking to connect your brand to your customer. So if at the minimum we're adding value to our customers' lives, best case scenario for content marketing is that we add value and that our customers are so excited and delighted to receive the content from us that they're happy to part with their data, whether it's an email address, a cell phone number, that's probably the holy grail of content marketing. And brands have certainly, you know, I think realized that they don't need to go through third party channels like the Googles and the Facebooks to necessarily reach their audience anymore if they've got that valuable uh, content to share with their customers. From a publisher point of view, Rian, are you seeing brands doing this well and how are they managing to connect directly using publishing as a mechanism to do that? Hi, Emma. Yes, I mean, you're quite right. So when you are a brand and you want to try doing some content marketing, you can obviously go with, you know, partnering up with a publisher um, like ourselves Arena Holdings is the publisher of some of South Africa's biggest biggest publications like Sunday Times, Times Life, Business Life, Business Day, etc. So that automatically gives you access to a very big audience, of course. Plus, it gives you the ability to to work with the experts at that publisher, as we just mentioned. You know uh, that Natalie said about working with actual storytellers, story creators, being the journalists and so forth. Because you, as a brand, may not have the right person who actually knows the mechanics of of storytelling. Uh, while we do, I mean that is what we do every single day. So certainly, you know that's one of the benefits of teaming up with a publisher. But your other avenue, of course, would be your own channels. I mean, you could very much create beautiful content and also distribute via your own channels. And there's nothing wrong with that, of course. Um, it gives you the opportunity to grow your own audience directly. And it gives you the chance to gather first party data from your customers in, in a much more direct way. Um, however, I think the, the really the best way is a, a, the best approach is to look at both avenues uh, for content marketing. Because as an example, we at Arena have worked with Investec before on content campaigns. 
And, you know, I mean, Investec is a, a very well-established financial institution with very solid channels of its own. Um, however, Investec has said that they, as much as they might publish content on their own channels, they also see value in teaming up with a publisher like Arena for publishing on our channels. Because the difference is that if you are a consumer and you see something coming across the Investec Facebook page, you perceive it a bit differently from what you might when you see the same content coming via the Business Day or Financial Mail Facebook page, where already there's an element of trustworthiness and reader engagement and loyalty for a brand like Financial Mail or Business Day. And that gives an extra bit of a boost to that content coming from Investec. So really, I mean, I think it's a, it's a case of, of looking at both ways of doing content marketing when you plan these campaigns. It's interesting as sort of you talking, I'm thinking about also the importance of whether it's a publisher or brand. So just guarding that data and continuing to share sort of consistent value and messaging that is not necessarily brand focused, but audience led. So not being tempted to all of a sudden send a barrage of product led messaging to this database that you've potentially spent a very long time developing, growing and nurturing and building quite a loyal following. And obviously email, you know, I think is sort of perhaps kind of the most obvious way of communicating to an audience using content marketing. It's certainly the first platform that I often think of. But when we looked at, at building a definition for the IAB and we looked at how channels are used within content marketing, we said the channel or content marketing rather is really channel agnostic. The channels should be defined by the audience being targeted rather than by the discipline itself. How do you find this works practically, Natalie? Sure. <laughs> it does sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. But uh, yeah, you, you're 100% right. We keep saying it and, and everyone puts it in their, the, their strategy deck about putting the audience first. But you have to really hold yourself accountable to that. So we've said we put them first. We then said we'll create content to suit their needs at the most appropriate time. And I think that really helps you define the, the platform or the channel of where this content is going to live. You know, as you said, there's a whole plethora of channels we could go for, from newsletters to blogs to even SMS, social media podcasts like, like this one. So we need to take that into account. Where, where our audience what are they using? What is more natural to them? Because we don't also want to interrupt them when it's not a place they are looking for this content or they expect it. It shouldn't be this interruptive sort of advertising thing that is shouting at them at the wrong place at the wrong time. I think maybe that's why, I don't know if you've seen LinkedIn recently canned stories this week because they realized it wasn't the right fit for the platform and people didn't actually want it. So you need to take those things into consideration as well as people's uses. Um, are they using a mobile? Are they on their desktop? Is Wi-Fi going to be an issue? Is time going to be an issue? So we really need to take all of these things into consideration. And it is so tempting. I even do it myself, where you want to spray and pray, and you just you think you have this most amazing piece of content, and you want to put it everywhere because you've worked so hard on it, and people have spent money on it. So let's do a webinar and then we'll turn it into a podcast and then we'll turn it into blogs and we'll do cute little quotes. Um, and it's so tempting to do that. 
And it's not always bad in the beginning to maybe do a couple and test to see which one has performed better, especially if you're not quite sure if you're new. But I keep learning this lesson over and over again to start small um, and to test small and to not panic and to do things intentionally with everything that you know. And even if it is only on one channel or two channels, just try it out, test it and see if it works. Because it can be very jarring if you've put content in the wrong place for the wrong people. Yeah, I think there's so much importance in the idea, and it's cliched and it's overused for a reason, that idea of being at the right place at the right time, uh, where your audience are, are engaging. And you know, in preparation for, for this podcast, I was looking at a couple of sort of global examples of, you know, what's happening in the content marketing space, as one does. And whichever brand I looked at, whether it was, I was looking at Lego, which we produce beautiful content. It's easy for them having Lego as, as the product. There's Johnson and Johnson's baby center. There's the likes of Glossier, which is a beauty brand. What, whichever brand and whichever successful content program you look at, there's a sense of community, a sense of community driving the conversation, being co-creators along with the brand across all the channels you were mentioning earlier. Pumi, when you look at South Africa and the content marketing industry here compared to what some of these global brands are doing, what is your feeling on how do we stack up? How do we compare? So Emma, from my perspective, I firstly think that marketers at large have neither managed to fully qualify nor quantify the importance of marketing, let alone content marketing in their organizations, particularly with the C-suite. Um, there's no clear measurement or at least agencies haven't maybe been exposed to the results that are being measured. No clear direction in terms of sticking to the defined objectives no clear accountability in terms of ensuring that objectives are met. And so if that is really the case, I think that South African companies still have a lot of room for growth in this area where they need to be able to firstly convince and get full buy-in from internal stakeholders, especially the C-suite, on properly investing in content marketing. And companies that have begun to succeed in this area are those that have clearly defined objectives and have a clear understanding of what content marketing aims to achieve in the marketing mix. Because content marketing is not promotional material for immediate sales. Like Natalie mentioned earlier, it's usually in the form of blogs, newsletters, video or audio shows. And also with regards to South Africa having such a diverse audience, you know, I mean, this is actually an opportunity for brands in this country. In a country like ours, with so much diversity comes richness and depth of life. We're a country with heterogeneous people, so we've got so many audiences with different interests. And there's so many rich cultural conversations to be had by brands. And I'm not talking about cultural appropriation. I'm talking more about being able to have quality, authentic, consistent and relevant conversations. 38 million people in South Africa are active on the internet and 27 million consume social media content by liking, sharing, posting and commenting on everything from politics and the pandemic to funnies and pictures of fur babies. 
So my advice to the brand marketers, and we've all touched on this, is to look at their brands from the outside in and not just inside out so that they understand what conversations are taking place out there. And in that way, I think a brand is able to or will be able to stay relevant and achieve brand love. Pumi, I'm interested to know your perspective when, you know, the thing with content marketing is that the brand is not the hero. The content is the hero. The content is the product. Is that a difficult sell to clients? It is a very difficult sell because there is an assumption that, you know, it is a brand that attracts a consumer and not necessarily the content. When in real life, it works the other way around. It is the story. It is the narrative. It is your positioning that actually achieves brand love and not the brand. The brand needs to earn that in the form of, you know, telling the audience what they stand for in the form of content. Yeah. And I think, you know, often I find um, with John Brown Media and the clients that we work for, content marketing is, is normally quite a long-term strategy. It's a slow burn. Patience is key. How important is that in the publishing space, Rian? Do you find that longevity of strategy is similarly important? Yes, I agree that uh, you have to look at the long term for your content strategy because, um, as Natalie said earlier, experimenting with content is a great way to start. Don't just think you have to go the whole hog immediately uh, when you want to jump into content marketing. Certainly trying out your strategy in, a, in, in different ways is a, a good place to start. So, in other words, once you, you, you know that what you want to do essentially think about what kind of content you're going to be using to, to convey your message uh, or to achieve your targets and then think, where can we try this out? And it's not to say that everything that you try will be an immediate success. You may decide to, for example, do a series of, of thought leader articles. Um, let's use the invest, uh, the investing example again. You may want to show that you have expertise uh, among investic uh, managers that you can convey via thought leader articles aimed at an investment community. But, you know, I mean, some of those articles are bound not to do so well as the other ones. And once you've published a few, you'll see what resonates with your audience and what really picks up the attention that you need for the message you're trying to convey. So do look into the possibility of not just doing one piece of content and, and, and putting all your eggs in one basket. Think long term. Think how can you keep, keep trying something until you find what's that secret recipe? What's the topic or the approach that really brings in your audience? Yeah. And really having the, the patience and the consistency in your, in your content marketing strategy is so important for it to be iterative, for you to continually learn and optimize as you go, which in a way brings, I suppose, us to, to ROI and measurement of content marketing success which we know is a topic in its own. Um, it can be quite a divisive topic. And I think part of the reason content marketing measurement is so controversial is because content marketing has compounding interests, rather compounding returns that build over a long period of time. So it becomes even more important, actually, to be able to show return on investment, to be able to measure success. 
I've been looking at quite a bit of research around global success stories. We know that global content marketing leaders um, generate 7.8 times more traffic to their websites than non-content marketing brands. And I saw a very interesting stat the other day that it actually costs 62% less to execute content marketing than any other type of advertising campaign, which was really fascinating for me. I'd like to ask, I think, each of you, when you speak to your clients, when you have discussions with them on content marketing and ROI, what do you want to leave with them? What do you want them to know about how to structure a reporting model or how to measure the success of a content ecosystem? Okay, I think just to build on everything that everybody has said, (laughs) the one thing I just want to tell clients, that it is a long game, but also that it's about consistency. It's, this is super cheesy, but I always say it's kind of like dating. You can't have a great first date and then ghost someone (laughs) and then three months later out of the blue hey, what you doing? Because the trust is gone. You know, um, who else have you been talking to? I'm not interested anymore. <laughs> so consistency is such a, a key point, I think, that I always want to tell clients. And that it is quality over quantity in terms of the content that you're doing, but also in terms of of the the audience that you're trying to attract. Having a smaller audience, but a very invested audience is so much better than having thousands of people and only a fraction of them are really relevant or care about your story. So I do think setting KPIs in the beginning in your strategy phase is very important. I'm not a numbers person. I'm a words person. So I'm very cautious about such things. And so I try not to be too ambitious with my KPIs and and, and what we're trying to go for. So as an example, I'd be quite hesitant to say we're going to measure leads from a thought leadership article. That feels very scary for me. Um, so really, yes, it's just about it, it takes time to build an audience, start small, learn, optimize so you can grow and set realistic targets. Um, I think that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, as Ryan and Natalie have said, um, content marketing requires a vision a strategy and a roadmap, plus high level of commitment from, to quote Natalie, people with expertise, so like-minded specialists to keep that vision alive for um, not just weeks or months, but actually for years. Because yes, brand building is a long game. I love the analogy of dating that Natalie used. It's about building relationships. Um, and just like in life, it takes time. It's unlikely that someone will view your content and immediately make a purchase. Content marketing's total value may be impossible to compute in traditional ROI terms, but that doesn't mean that it's not worth doing. You need to show how you measure your content marketing impact. You need to define the objectives upfront. You need to define who your target audience is. Be specific. You need to speak the language of the business, the measurements of success, And the more likely it is that your business leaders or your C-suite will understand that content marketing isn't evaluated by traditional ROI. Yeah, in closing, the aim is not to create a buzz around a brand or by bombarding consumers with messaging, but it is about telling stories that solve real problems and activate growth and with meaning that delivers on the ROI that the client deserves. Because as we know, 
Growth has a ripple effect. It affects the growth of our clients, which ultimately contributes to the growth of our country. I like that Mpumi is laying down the law there for her clients because, again, you know, speaking as a publisher, it is the publisher is your partner in, in creating content, you know, I mean, as much as an agency can be. I mean, some of our clients are, are direct clients for us for content and some work through, through their agencies, of course, but it, it often comes down to the same thing that when, when that content arrives on our doorstep as the publisher, we still don't know what the brand is trying, trying to achieve. Because they haven't really decided, is this piece of content, whether it's a, an article or a video or, or anything else, is it meant to just, just raise brand awareness? Is it meant to generate leads? Is it about getting more video views on a certain piece of video? It's almost when we actually pose that question as the publisher that, that they haven't thought of that. Because we will ask that question because that ultimately helps us to say, is this the right fit for our website that, that you think your content should go on? Do we have another website in our group, perhaps, that would be more suited to this content? How do we promote this on our social media channels? All of that is determined by your ultimate aim for that content. And then your ROI also is easier to determine than if we know up front. So if you are eventually going to come back to say and say to us, but the video only got 50 views and you didn't tell us that that was the most important thing for you, we don't know to focus on that to try to achieve that for you. So you have to really put some thought into that. And sometimes it helps to brainstorm with your publisher or agency partner because ultimately it's unfortunately it's true that many brands are not really content experts. What, what brands think is good content often really isn't, unfortunately. Um, you know, we work very hard in the media to make all our content inform, educate, or entertain our audiences. And that's what you've got to do with your own brand content also. And, that old press release from last year that you've got floating around? No, it's not going to cut it, unfortunately. That's really not content. So yeah, if, if you ask your publisher, this is what I want to achieve. This is, this is what my ROI will be measured against. The publisher can say to you, well, let's do it like this or like that. Um, and that will help you achieve that. And then also, I mean, as I think we mentioned briefly, when, when it comes to the reporting on the campaign, realize that these are different metrics. You know, I mean, the number of times we get asked for Something like, but what were the impressions on a published native content article? It's not an ad being served. It works differently. So ask, the, ask your publisher again, if you don't understand, or your agency to say, how do we measure the content campaign and not just default to our usual reporting template? You know, maybe there's more clever ways to, to see whether this content actually worked or not. So, Rian, I touched on, I think, earlier, you know, the content marketing is growing in Spain, that there's a lot happening in the industry at the moment, globally and locally. When you look at what's happening in, in the market at the moment, what are some of the best pieces of work that you're seeing coming out of brands or publishers? There is ever more creative work in this space, which is really, which is really fascinating to see. If you follow uh, the Content Marketing Association in the UK or the Content Marketing Institute in, in the US, I mean, they always share interesting pieces of information, but there's a bunch of other websites that do the same. And some of the examples that, that I have seen recently, you know, Netflix um, has worked with the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. They had um, those famous shows of theirs, Orange is the New Black and Narcos, and they published in-depth pieces of journalism. The one was about how women are treated in prison, the other one about cocaine traffickers on those news websites in a New York Times or, or kind of 
a Wall Street Journal style. So it looked like a proper investigation, and it was. It was real content, but it led to awareness of those shows on Netflix. Very clever. Shell did the same kind of thing on the New York Times, creating a massive, uh, almost like a sub-site with infographics, video, long-form content, all about transport in the US and the challenges that such a big growing nation faces with transport. Very interesting experience. You actually spend quite a few minutes going through that content, reading it. Video-wise, Dove comes to mind. They've done a lot of interesting content over the years. Uh, a recent, a more recent campaign was their hashtag show me campaign. They've always been about shattering beauty stereotypes. And this was all about asking women around the world to send in a video to say, why they see themselves as different. And it made for uh, hours and hours of amazing video content that they published on their own channels around the world. And it's really a fascinating thing to watch. Another example would be Red Bull. They have become known as the adventure brand, and they really did that through content. If you go to Red Bull's channels, a lot of the videos and, and other content you consume is really just straightforward about whichever adrenaline-raising endeavor you can think of. And that's how they've become known as this brand that, well, gives you wings. And, I mean, a, a local favorite recently that won in the South African Bookmark Awards also was a Creepy Crawly. Very clever little idea. They made a two-minute uh, satirical take on my octopus teacher called My, my Creepy Teacher. And it is just a joy to behold. It, it's two minutes of content. It's just cleverly written and filmed. And it puts a smile on your face. And if, you, if that's not a great thing to achieve, then I don't know. Mm, I, I love how all of you are talking about that clarity up front of setting those KPIs and objectives collaboratively with the client. And also bringing that external expertise from agency or publisher because often brands, to your point, Rian, they end up drinking their own Kool-Aid, I think is the expression. You know, they become so immersed in their, their brand and what they stand for that they actually can't just take that step back and see it from an external perspective. And that's where that partnership is so important with the creatives. If I can say there, don't be precious about your content. Yeah. Um, because ultimately the experts will suggest something that you might not think is necessary, but they are right in the mm, end. Mm. Just you sparked a, an, an idea or a thought because I used to actually follow General Electric a lot because they do, you wouldn't mm. think, but they do fantastic content yes. marketing. And they used to say, I'm sure they still say this, that it's okay to experiment and to try new things. And if it works or doesn't work, has anyone died? No, <laughs> like try Snapchat, try TikTok, try, you know, a video series. And if it doesn't work, it's okay. But it's, it's so great to work with brands who are a bit brave and want to mm. try things. Um, because that's when you actually can create such amazing stuff mm. that, you know, you didn't see possible in the beginning and, and you will maybe just wanted to stick to your newsletter, for example. hundred percent. And especially now, as we spent 18 months living in a pandemic, what was experimental or risky in December 2019, you know, it is necessary now. So also just continually shifting your perspectives, being open to new ideas and trying new things. Um, I don't think we can possibly overemphasize the importance of that. 100%.
All right. Well, thank you for your time, everyone, uh, for picking apart content marketing, best practice, having a look at how it stacks up against global standards and what we're doing here in South Africa. Um, really appreciate all of your insights and expertise. Great. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. It was fun. You've been listening to the IAB SA podcast, Decoding Digital Content Marketing. Another solid gold production.